cantering. It's wonderful. It's one of the best things to do on a horse, in my opinion. However, for many riders, while cantering is all great, it's often the transition into the canter that causes, oh, things to go a little wonky. And that's what I want to talk about today. The transition between the trot and the canter. Hi there, my name is Lorna Leeson and this is the Daily Strides podcast, the podcast for equestrians like you all over the world, helping you to sort out those niggly little details in order to just, well, impact positively the whole ride between yourself and your horse. Each and every week we take a different topic, we break it down and we go through it in a way that you can actually understand what you're supposed to be doing. well that's kind of key isn't it Um, and then from there you can actually go and explain it to your horse and then the two of you can just have a better conversation overall now of course what we discuss on this podcast they're only short little snippets they're little insights but if you really want to find out all the what's and the why's and the how's and the where's and the when's and all the, the different elements that go with riding I'm going to suggest that you pop over and check out the current specials that we have for Daily Strides Premium which is my premium subscription program it's every month getting different trainings they arrive as if by magic to your phone so you can take them with you wherever you want to go this actual month we're talking all about the transition between the trot and the canter but you get all past lessons as well and past trainings they're all in there for you you can find out more over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash join I am going to warn you that this is a limited time special um, it is it involves extra training, extra coaching, accountability and also then a nice little discount for you as well. So if you're interested, you can pop over there and check it out. But let's get back to today. Now, one of the reasons that the transition is so important between the trot and the canter is that very often I see riders get into the canter and it takes them the best part of maybe 10 to 15 strides to actually straighten out, if you want, the canter again. Now, basically to re-establish any sort of balance or rhythm, just the flow, okay? And you get this, the the trot might be lovely and it it looks gracious and it looks lovely. And then it's like this, I don't know, big muddledy jumbled, I don't know, falling into effort that happens when the transition for the canter actually takes place or the transition from trot to canter actually takes place. And then you have to do all this efforting just to get the canter back to where you want it to be. And of course, if you're doing something that has, well, let's say limitations to how much time or how much space you have to effort that that's going to cause problems so very important that we learn to straighten this out and what I want to specifically talk about today is things that you are doing you the rider that might just be sabotaging this actual transition for you and your horse and I'm going to take three of them um, that I see all the time and the first one is about timing so we tend to think that we can just ask our horse to do something and that he can almost give a verbal response, okay? But it's not. Your horse responds by physically doing, okay? There's a physical response that has to happen in order for your horse to actually, well, show you that he's listened to you and that he's taken on board whatever you've said or whatever you've directed him to do and now he's going to do that. And in order for that to happen, you have to ask at the right time. If you're not asking at the right time, well, it doesn't really matter because your horse can't respond to you as, let's say, quickly or as effectively or as, I suppose, 
I don't know, the way we want it. We always talk about responsiveness with uh, horses. And I personally believe that your horse's responsiveness is a direct reflection of you, the rider. It's nothing to do with your horse, actually. It's how you're showing up as the rider. But um, I really feel that if we could just learn a little bit more and get a little bit more in tune with the timing of the response, that would make all the difference. Now, so let's think about it. If we're going to ask our horse to canter, the first thing is we need to be very much aware of what is going on underneath us. And for many riders in the trot, they sometimes struggle to figure out what's going on because I don't know, it's, it's, I think it's almost, I, I think it's twofold actually. It's almost the rhythm of the trot tends to lull them into, I don't know, this complacency almost. And then also couple that with the fact that it's a little bit more difficult to feel what your seat is doing with regards to what your horse's back legs are doing because that's where you really need to feel. But the great thing about the trot is it's actually really simple to quickly glance down and have a look because the trot, as we know, the horse moves his legs in diagonal pairs, which means if you know what either one of his shoulders are doing, front shoulders are doing, you can actually know by default then what the back leg is doing on the opposite side, okay? So because the horse works in diagonals, you can then tell. So I feel it's really important to start getting to know when your horse is moving and how that feels. Now, a lot of the time with riders, they fail to kind of heed the advice of going into sitting trot in order to ask for the canter. And one of the big reasons that this is so important is because if you were to ask at the correct time while you were posting or rising, you would actually be asking while you're on the up part of the post or the rise, okay? Um, And this is, of course, in order to have effect let's say on the horse's outside back leg which is what the horse needs to strike off that's where that's where the canter all the cantering begins is the horse's back leg so you would have to ask on the up part of the post or the rise and if well we're trying to ask with our seat and you know be nice and quiet and be i suppose very clear about what we're asking that's probably not the best place we could ask from. Do you understand? Okay. So start figuring out what is happening underneath you and then from there learning where to ask for the horse, okay? For the horse to actually transition into the canter. Really, really important. The second thing that I want to talk about today is gripping with your legs. So, so many riders, they'll ask the horse to canter and once they've made the request of the horse, it's it's like they, they hunker in, they... Their, their thighs become like a clothes peg or a vice grip on the horse, okay? And yes, your leg is really important, but when you're asking and when you're applying your leg aids to ask your horse to go from or to transition from trot to canter, it's like the whole leg has to play a, a, a part and particularly the lower leg has to be, play a big part. Whereas when you just squeeze using your thighs, and people, by the way, don't squeeze to ask questions of their horse. They squeeze in some misguided attempt to stay on, okay, or nerves or something like that, okay, balance. Um, what ends up happening is your lower leg becomes really ineffective and it actually starts to swing and it affects your whole body. You often find people then, they end up, <laughs> they end up, it's almost like there is, a, I don't know, like some sort of a pole or something going through the horse and they are just swinging on that pole in no 
correct way, shape or form at all, okay? Lower leg normally comes back, upper body tips forward, they become completely ineffective and completely unbalanced. And you can imagine if you're like that through the actual transition itself, well, it's not really going to bode well for the canter, okay? In fact, you're going to be spending the first few strides in canter just trying to stay on, never mind trying to tidy things up and, I suppose, establish a good quality canter. So, really important that you try and kind of keep your thighs in particular, your hips, your pelvis nice and opened so as the horse can actually move forward into the canter. And that's really important. The horse, remember, the canter needs by its very nature there's more energy there than the trot okay and it there's often it's like there's more momentum behind it I wouldn't necessarily say there has to be more speed but there's definitely this energy there's a difference in energy and if you are trapping that energy down well the horse can't really go forward and also you're creating a lot of pressure and what happens if that pressure keeps building we know what happens. It's never good, okay? So really important that you don't grip with your legs. The final thing I want to talk about today is failing to follow through with the actual canter. So very often people ask the question, the horse responds, and then the rider just stops everything from happening. I'm thinking, why did you ask the horse to canter if you're not going to let him canter? very important that you allow the horse to canter. Now, again, this could be to do with nerves. It could be to do with anxiety. I often find this can be due to to just stiffness in the rider. Okay, so the rider can be a little bit stiff, lacking suppleness, and they're just literally not able to move with the horse. And of course, this also depends on the horse. Some horses have bigger movements than others, but it's really important that you're allowing the horse to canter on. Now, when you allow, you allow through your seat, but you also then allow through your hand or through your reins, okay, which often comes from the elbow. So you need to be able to follow that movement, to follow the horse and to allow the horse into the canter. And then from there, you can then begin to influence what's going on. But the first part of that, the first part of the influencing has to start with you actually allowing the canter to happen to begin with and not shutting it down within the first stride or two. What you'll often see when riders start to shut the canter down is that the canter itself becomes very choppy or very, I don't know, jumpy or hoppity. It doesn't look very smooth, doesn't look like it's covering ground, doesn't look like it's going anywhere in any kind of sort of I don't know, with a sense of purpose almost. And that is what you want, the canter. And then riders will complain, oh, my canter is very flat or it's not very expressive. Well, it can't be because you're shutting it all down. So very important that you don't shut it down. Okay, this week inside of Daily Strikes Premium, I'm actually chatting all about this and there's actually more. We're we're not just focusing on these three. These were just three that I plucked out of there. Um, But really important things that before we even get into actually riding a smooth and a balanced transition from the trot to the canter, we need to deal with these things and make sure we're not doing them. Um, I also tell you how to straighten them out, how to rectify them, how to realize if they're maybe happening because what's going to happen with the horse and how it would look and feel for you, whatever. If you're interested in joining us, you can do so over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash join. And as I mentioned, there is a very special special going on right now, but it is limited time. Um, So if you want to join, I'm going to suggest you do it. You take advantage of it and you do it now. Okay, have a great one. Keep well. And I'll chat to you soon. Be good. Bye.